We're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 2 to verse 16. I've got one. Please to, it's the first time I've ever delivered a message on head covering and I'm pleased I'm doing it within a brethren assembly <laughs> because if I was doing it in a Baptist church or elsewhere evangelical, I might get a totally different reception. <laughs> but never mind, it's nice to be here in this place <clears throat> because I'm sure <clears throat> you'll all agree with it. <laughs> um, before we start about these exhortations, it's an, it's an exhortation for women. But there is a reference to men in this chapter. So let me speak about the men first, yes? It's a shame for a man to have long hair. It's the woman who's got the long hair. It's her glory and her beauty. But the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Now, when I was 17 years of age... That goes back a bit, doesn't it? 17-year-old as a, a Christian. I had a photograph, but I've lost it conveniently. <laughs> but I'm telling you now, I had hair, which is a mass of hair, and it was right down here to my shoulders. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful flowing hair right down to the shoulders, yes. And uh, a brother, a Christian brother challenged me with it and he says you do realise the scripture says it's a shame for a man to have long hair now my reaction should have been to be subject to that brother and say thank you for pointing that out to me please explain the reasons why but I didn't particularly like the man he was very um, bossy and things so I didn't accept it from him, <laughs> but went away and read the scripture and accepted it from the Lord. But we all get worried about this word subject, don't we, you know, and subjection. Subject is ranking, we're under subject, and sub subjection is to be under obedience. And there's loads of examples in scripture of being subject. The scripture says we have to be subject to one another. In assembly life. Yes. We forget about that don't we? The Lord Jesus Christ was subject. To the father. The Lord Jesus Christ was subject. To his parents. When they chastised him for. Being missing. For a few days. But it says he went home. And was subject to them. There's lots of examples in scripture. Or being subject. It's, it's a, a Christian trait, isn't it? It's a Christian quality that we are subject to one another. But let's, let's read the scriptures first because the, the Bible will speak for itself. And we're reading from chapter 11, verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God every man praying or prophesying having his head covered dishonoreth his head not only his head but Christ 
But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoureth her head, herself and the man. For that is even all as one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. That means equality. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. That's his creation order. Judge in yourselves Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So these are instructions now we're going through as we go through these chapters right through Corinthians. Instructions concerning the gatherings of believers in the assembly. And what we're reading here is the word of God. So when you read this passage, if you want to argue with the passage or you want to contend with the passage, what you've got to remember, this is the word of God And by obeying it, you are pleasing the Lord. That's very important, to be obedient to it. It has two divisions. Verse 2 says, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then when it gets to verse 17, he says, I praise you not. So there's two clear divisions there. And when he says, I praise thee not, it was all to do with the remembrance service and the breaking of bread and the things that were going on there so drastic that some Christians' lives were taken away by the Lord. That's how bad it was. So I praise you, I praise you not as the two divisions. Now he says, I praise you, brethren, remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now, ordinances means traditions as I delivered unto you. And this is apostolic instructions. Because you've heard many times, and I've heard many times uh, from women that they say, well, well, this this is just Paul's teaching. Even men can say this as well. This is just Paul's teaching. You know, and he doesn't like women. This is not Paul's teaching. He was an apostle. It's a revelation from God. Everything that's written is a revelation from God. So it's the Lord who is speaking. And as you know, there is good traditions and there is bad traditions. Jesus talks about um, bad traditions, doesn't he? 
when he talks to the, the Pharisees, the, the Pharisees were saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And the Lord's perfect response was, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your traditions? Yes. So they were bringing in all sorts of other things, adding on, the maxims of men, adding on to things which the Lord is not saying. Um, so they are bad traditions. But these are good ones and have become part of the canon of the scriptures. Yes? So all that we have today, this word of God, is the full revelation of God. If anyone presents to us, I've got a new revelation from God. Yes? And you hear that lots, don't you? YouTube and things like that. This is the new revelation. You have some like the Jehovah's Witnesses who have an additional book. And the Mormons have an additional book <laughs> alongside the scriptures, yes, which if they claim to have a new revelation, it's not true. You know for a fact it's not true because this is the complete word of God. So you could never be taken in by that really. Or you shouldn't be taken in by that. So these are good ordinances. And there was ordinances which were delivered orally, because Paul was delivering lots of things orally, wasn't he? But they became, the oral became part of the scriptures. And then he was teaching by the epistles, because it says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 15, stand fast, hold the traditions which you have been taught by word or epistle. So when we got the epistles in the, in the Bible, it is the word of God as we have been taught and hold fast to that tradition it all makes sense doesn't it that but then he says but I love it when scripture says but isn't it the but comes in so if there's a but there's probably a slight problem going on and it may be because they were ignorant of the headship but he says I would have you know I want you to understand this so perhaps they were lacking in their understanding of the headship, which goes right back to Genesis chapter 2, when man was created. I would have you know the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now it's specific with the word Christ and we know that the word Christ means the anointed and this is God's only begotten son the anointed man who is perfect yes and he, as the anointed man he is subject to his father and there's a beautiful expression in 1 Corinthians 50 isn't it when, when, he, when the millennial kingdom is there and all his glory is seen there as the anointed man and we come to the end of that millennial kingdom it says he hands over the kingdom back to the father he was subject to the father as the man in the glory so it's what it's saying it's God's established order of headship God is head over Christ now, we're going to, you're going to say to me, ah, hang on, but the, the Godhead is equal. Yes, it is. The Godhead is equal. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he's taking this subject position. Christ is the head 
over man. Complete control and authority over man. Man is head over the woman. But that doesn't mean, you know, that the woman has got an inferior place. It doesn't mean that at all. It's nothing to do with inferior or superior. Women have their place, yes? And when we're talking about women, there's loads of scripture you can look at, at the value of women in the assemblies uh, and the work that they do. Many women went around with the Lord Jesus Christ ministering unto him. We've had an example this morning of devotion. The greatest example in scripture of devotion is of women. It's wonderful, isn't it? Women have their place. Phoebe was a deaconess. She was serving the church of St. Crea. She was doing important work. Women tend to teach children, don't they? And Timothy is a good example of that. Paul says, you know, you've been well taught by your mother and your grandmother in the scriptures. They taught him so well in the scriptures at home. So that's a wonderful work that they can do. Lots of things. How women serve. But as you're aware, there's things that they're not to do within the assembly itself. Praying, they pray silently. Prophesying is the interesting one, isn't it? Uh, and we'll come on to that now about praying and prophesying. But when, they, when they're prophesying, you, you might ask this question, oh, well, this means that women can teach in church then to men. Because when they pray or prophesy, so surely as a woman I can get up here and I can teach in the assembly. doesn't mean that. doesn't mean that at all. However, as the scripture was all coming together, you had women who were prophetess. Prophet, what's prophetesses? Is it prophetesses? Yes. <laughs> prophetesses. There was Philip's four daughters. His four daughters were prophetesses. They prophesied. Not in the actual assembly gathering itself, but they would prophesy. And if, that, if they did that, they had to have their head covered. Or when they were praying, have their head covered. Verse 4 says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. So when we talk about this prophesying all the time now, remember it says prophecy goes, yeah? tongues disappear. If you have the complete word of God, there's no more prophecy in that sense. So prophecy then becomes teaching all the counsel of God in this word. So when we talk about prophecy, and it's the same in, in 1 Corinthians 14, talks about prophesying. Uh, we, what we mean now, it's teaching God's word, the full revelation of God's word. Yeah. And the challenge to all of us who teach is teach it without error. So you've got to thoroughly learn it uh, and make sure we're not teaching any error. And hopefully, if you were teaching error, someone would point that out to you and put you on the right lines. So every man praying or prophesying his head covered dishonoureth his head. 
So he's dishonoring himself, really. He's dishonoring Christ, his head, and he's dishonoring God. So it goes right to the top, yes? <laughs> You're dishonoring God if a man put a cap on his head and prays or prophesies. So that's fairly easy for us not to do that, isn't it? Not to put a hat on. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoureth her head. And she dishonoureth the man. And by dishonouring, she's not showing her subjection to the man in the order of creation. That's God's order. For that, if, all, if even all one, as if she were shaven, so if she's not going to cover her head, she may well be shaven. But if it's a shame to be shaven, let her be covered. So you find that in the assemblies, women wear a head covering. Uh, the Bible talks about a veil. I know we have lots of different head coverings and hats and things, but it's a covering. Head covering is important in the worship because they're showing their subjection in the order that God has in created to the man. Yeah? And in some ex ex other contexts in Scripture, obviously, if it's man and wife, it's the same principle. Yeah? Man subject, woman subject to the man. As in the Lord. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. So man was made in the image, in the likeness of God. That means he was a representation of God. Yes? Now with the fall, when the fall of man took place... That's put a big dent in it, doesn't it? That's man has fallen, man is now sinful, but he still bears the mark of the image and likeness of God and the characteristics of God, like love and things like that. And the woman is the glory of the man. And then the, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. So when Adam was created, the Lord took a rib out of man and from it he created woman yeah? that doesn't mean that all men going around now have one missing rib that's not what it's saying we've still got 12 but <laughs> we haven't got one missing that was specific to Adam <laughs> he had a missing rib so now there was the man created for the woman but the woman for the man for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head what that means authority on her head and basically that means the veil and she's clearly saying by the veil I am obeying God's order subject to man man is my head that's what she's doing and then it says interestingly to have power on her head because of the angels Oh, this is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> what have angels got to do with this? <laughs> well, angels, first of all, are superior beings to men. They are superior in creation, in the hierarchy. Yes? And it also says 
they are spirits. And the scripture always refers to them in the max masculine, not the feminine. It's all masculine. And we know that there was a hierarchy even amongst the angels, wasn't there? There was Gabriel, who was the chief angel, wasn't there? And Michael. So there was a hierarchy amongst the angels. We also know that there was fallen angels, angels who left their first estate. And remember, angels are eternal, like we are eternal. But the angels look upon the order in the assemblies. They look upon this order that God has created. Ephesians 3 tells us that they they just amazed at the wisdom of God and what he has brought together in the church and for his glory. They're just amazed at that. Absolutely amazed at it. Peter says angels desire to look into it for the redemption of man. Angels desire to look into this. They can't, you know, take it all in what God is doing in redemption and in the church of God. They're observing the worship and they like to see this perfect order. So you're doing it before the angels. But as we talk about angels, the, the, the one thing we must not do, which Colossians will tell us, is do not worship angels. They're not to be worshipped. Right? And you, I'm sure you're aware the United States of America, they are besotted with angels. <laughs> yeah, manifestation of angels. Um, it's a big thing of theirs, you know. They are sent to minister unto the heirs of salvation, so they do ministerial work to us, unseen, but they're there, uh, and they're a superior being to man. But there's another reason why the woman, it's, there's two reasons now then, isn't there? One, she's subject to a husband or to man. Two, before the angels, to get the order right. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the law. There's your equality. Yes, we can't do without women. You can't do without men. <laughs> That's fair, isn't it? <laughs> that is equality. And as we talked about all this, we've got to take into the culture of the world which is outside, which is totally different from the culture which is in the assembly itself. Right. They have a different mindset altogether. Judge yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? And we talked about the man. But if the woman have long hair, it is her glory and her beauty. For it's given her for a covering. And then it ends with saying, if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom. So then people pick up that and they say, ah, well there you are. We can be contentious about it. It's a custom. We don't have to do it. They could argue that it's not necessary that we wear a head covering, but it does not mean that. Contentious means, and I'm reading from another version, we have no other practice in worship than this, nor the churches of God. So what Paul was saying, this has been taught in every church of God. And we have no other 
practice. So if you want to be contentious about it, he's saying clearly, this is what the Lord desires. This is the commandment of the Lord. This is what we need to do. Yeah? And many are conformed to that. So it's a quite interesting subject, isn't it? <laughs> um, and to understand. But basically what you've got to do is go away and read it for yourself. Uh, and study it for yourself. And then you say to yourself, right, this is why I need to have a veil or a head covering for these reasons. It gives you the rationale, doesn't it? For doing it. Yeah. But it's not undervaluing women. It's not doing that at all. Women are actually elevated in Christianity from a, opposed to heathenism. Yeah. So I hope you're taking it all in. and <laughs> uh, hope you understand it. I mean, the strangest point is before the angels, isn't it? It's interesting that they're observing the worship yeah. as we go on. And that included this morning. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank thee again for the word of God, that we have this complete word before us. And we thank thee from Genesis to Revelation.